Hi, friends. Welcome to the Get Off Your Affirmation podcast. I'm Leona Evans, and I'm here today, as always, with my son and co-host, Matthew J. Evans. Hi. Thanks so much for listening. We are recording this episode in mid-July of 2020. As we continue to come to terms with the health crisis, the economic crisis, and the racial injustice crisis. Now, the word crisis has been used so often in the past several months, it's becoming common usage. Instead of a word used to describe the extraordinary or the highly unusual, crisis is now a part of our daily vocabulary. And so the question is if a state of crisis is now becoming the new normal, What are we doing to prepare ourselves mentally and emotionally to take on the additional levels of stress? Now, there have been a number of publications recently that have discussed valuable information on self-care, but today we want to go deeper into this idea of self-care by identifying and considering grief as a way to identify and come to terms with our feelings If we recognize that we are grieving, we have a greater understanding of what we're going through and are able to apply a different set of tools to our healing process. And we're talking not only about individual grief, but shared grief. We don't know how to process what we're going through. My friends, when I talk to them on the phone, when I see what they're saying on Facebook, are having a really difficult time. And I think it's because we haven't identified our difficulties as grief. You know, we kind of have this crisis overload. There's too much coming in, and we can't understand exactly what's happening and, and why we're having all of these feelings. And this is why we're talking about it today, to be able to identify it is to be able to understand it and embrace it and eventually master it. But without understanding what we're feeling, we're just caught. We're caught in a sense of overwhelm. It's like being in a maze and not being able to find our way out. By identifying our feelings within the context of grief, we have this opportunity to really gain some great understanding and experience not only self-care, but care for others as well. Now, generally speaking, grief is about saying goodbye. It's a response to loss or a perceived loss. Too often we use the term grief in relation to the loss of a loved one, but the grieving process can take on many forms for different kinds of loss. During this time, our shared grief includes a process of saying goodbye to a great deal of things that we might not have connected with the concept of grief. We're dealing with a collective loss of normalcy and the sadness that can bring, looking forward to vacations that won't happen, graduations not celebrated, weddings and memorial services postponed, being unable to worship with our friends and loved ones, the closing of businesses, And then there are the changes taking place at every level of our daily activities. Losses that I think might have taken a while to fully grasp. Stuff like being able to get coffee with friends, not being able to engage in social interactions like hugs and handshakes, not being able to go to the movies or see live theater, being unable to engage in the arts, take dance classes, have shared music experiences, 
just going to a museum, parades, parks, beaches, all of that is gone. And the lost and empty feeling of having once had so many opportunities available to us, and now they're unavailable to us for our own safety. And I'd like to add to that the deep sense of loss and sadness we feel as we take a look at our divided country. In a way, we feel like children whose parents are getting a divorce. There's a deep sense of sadness, a deep loss for something we perceive to be united that's now divided. And we need to acknowledge that, and we need to recognize that there's grief around that. As a rule, our culture is not used to dealing with grief, and we do our best to avoid it. We often don't know how to handle it. We have a hard time supporting others in their grief. We tend to allow people to grieve for short periods of time for the loss of a loved one, but then we're expected to return to our normal way of living as though somehow grief was a weakness or a temporary situation. But now, life is in a suspended state of grief, and we feel helpless. In fact, many of us are not aware that we are grieving. We're just in a bad mood. We feel cranky and short-tempered. We have problems falling asleep, or we're sleeping all the time. It's harder to focus on our tasks, harder to feel fulfillment in our hobbies and passions. We don't feel like eating, or we can't stop eating. We entertain thoughts of worst-case scenarios. We feel a, a constant sense of unrest or anxiety. By whatever name we've chosen to call it, these are symptoms of grief. And our fear or unwillingness to acknowledge this can lead to more pain, loneliness, and feelings of futility. Today, we want to address grief as a normal process of coming to terms with these losses and finding ways to use our shared experiences to help and support ourselves and one another. And so we respectfully challenge you to get off your affirmation, learn to embrace your grief, and begin to heal from within. Now, Matthew, I just want to acknowledge that you and I are going through a lot right now in terms of figuring out how to understand and express our grief due to a recent and devastating loss. It's been a little over a month since my grandma passed away, not of COVID-19. She'd been ill for a while, and it really has been difficult for both of us. It's hard enough grieving for someone as close as we were to my grandma, but we've had all these additional restrictions. There are big things, like not being able to have a memorial service, which is difficult because we can't have any large gatherings, and it feels like we can't have this sense of closure that normally comes with a ceremony. And with the social distancing rules, we can't visit with family and hug each other and be close and supportive with each other in our shared grief like we normally would. Now, fortunately, you and I have shared times of conscious grieving over the last few weeks. For me, as time goes on and the reality sets in, my grief seems more profound. And I've noticed this quite a bit over the years in my work as a minister and being with people during their grieving process. After the initial shock wears off after the first few weeks, our loss continues to become more and more acute 
until eventually we come to terms with it and accept the reality of it. Now, of course, this is not a linear process. It doesn't have a time frame. Each person experiences grief in a different way. But I'm sorry to say that because we choose to deny grief so vehemently, we often believe that we're finished grieving before we actually are. And we become shocked and surprised and easily triggered by events that remind us of our loss without realizing that we've been pushing our grief down and not really acknowledging it. I think it's really easy to get caught up in a mindset of, okay, now it's time to be finished with your feelings. You've cried enough, you've been through enough sadness or anger, and now you have to move on. And we get that feeling whether we've processed all of our grief or not. We're just kind of pressuring ourselves to move on. Well, the fact is that grief is extremely uncomfortable. Grief is a devastating experience to go through. And if we feel we have to do it alone, if we feel that very few people are going to understand us or regard our grief as a sign of weakness, then we don't have that shared support and we don't have permission to grieve. One of the biggest things we need to learn is that grieving takes place on an emotional level, not an intellectual one. In our efforts to ease the burdens of our loved ones going through grief, we often try to share intellectual concepts with them that, while true, don't really get to the heart of the grief process. For example, friends of individuals who have endured a loss will try to comfort them by saying, well, they're in a better place, or you wouldn't want them to stay in pain. Isn't it a great relief to you that that loved one is no longer in pain? Well, even though we know and believe these things to be true, that doesn't affect the deep, visceral loss that a survivor feels when their loved one is no longer on the physical plane. No matter how relieved we are that they're no longer in pain, no matter how blessed we are knowing that they're going to a better place, it doesn't mean that we feel less devastated or feel less emotional pain. These are two different aspects of understanding grief. The intellectual process is abstract. The emotional process is subjective. And just because we know something at an abstract level doesn't mean we internalize it. And so dealing with grief effectively is recognizing that the emotional component of our nature responds not to lectures, not to ideas, but to love and acceptance and understanding this is a part of the work that is being done in schools today. This is part of something we call emotional intelligence, the ability to empathize, to feel compassion, to have the patience to understand that a person in grief doesn't need to be fixed. They need to be understood so they feel less alone and less isolated. That's such an important realization, figuring out that we're not weak and we don't need to be fixed. We don't need to rush to get over it. We just need to be loved. 
This reminds me of a time in the 90s when we were first discovering the idea of reparenting your inner child. What a wonderful psychological tool, being able to understand as an adult child of abuse that there was a way out of being a perpetual victim, and that would be by having greater understanding, greater awareness, and using meditation as a transformative tool. Well, I remember the first time one of my clients came in and said, I have had an amazing realization. I just came to an understanding that even though my parents were abusive to me, they were doing the best they could. They couldn't do any better. And so my anger with them for not having given me a better childhood is no longer necessary because the truth is, even if they wanted to, they couldn't. And I said, I think it's so important that you have come to that realization, but please be aware that that realization alone doesn't heal the emotional woundedness of not having had the kind of childhood you deserved, of not being loved and nurtured. This is a really, really important part of coming to wholeness, is being able to grieve that loss on a deep emotional level and embrace that loss until the healing takes place. And at that moment, she started to cry. Not just cry, but sob for the lonely, abused, wounded child who never had a chance to be loved and nurtured as she was growing up. She cried for a while, and I held her hand. Then after a time, I asked her to go into meditation, to breathe and relax and visualize herself as that lonely child, the child that was deprived of love and nurturing, not because her parents were bad people, but because they couldn't do any better. And then she visualized herself as an adult, coming in to see the wounded child, holding her on her lap and telling her inner child that she was loved now and that she would be taken care of, that she would be nurtured, and that she did deserve it. That describes part of a process of healing, of getting in touch with grief that had not been explored, of letting it come forth in a safe environment, and reframing the past in a healthier, more loving way. Another aspect of grief to think about is guilt. Guilt is spending too much time grieving for the wrong reasons. This can really be difficult for us. It can really hang us up. Guilt causes us to want to punish ourselves because we could have or should have done something to prevent the loss. Until we stop blaming ourselves for things that we believe we should have done differently, the grief takes on another dimension that keeps us from moving through the process. It is very difficult to move through guilt. The very idea that we could have done something or should have done something to help our loved one 
is something that causes so many people so much pain. What can we do to help friends and loved ones go through a process of healing the guilt associated with loss? Well, we can listen and do everything in our power to refrain from saying, you shouldn't feel that way. You're wrong. That's not true. Those things might be facts, but our loved one is grieving over a sense of responsibility that they did the wrong thing or didn't do enough and needs to be heard, understood, commiserated with. That's how healing begins to take place in a non-resistant atmosphere based in love and acceptance. Another problem that we have with grieving is when we have the feeling that we have to try to replace what we've lost with something or someone else. About a year ago, we lost our dog, Sparky, and there were several people that in the process of telling them that I had just lost my dog said, oh, are you going to get another dog or a cat or something? As if I just was going to replace my dog like it was a, a tire on a car. And, and it seemed to really devalue the memory of Sparky when that wasn't the intention. The intention of the people that were telling me that was to comfort me, to, to try to alleviate the grief that I was feeling. Yes, people don't want us to hurt or to grieve. We don't want to hurt or grieve. But there is a tremendous effort in our culture, as I mentioned before, to minimize grief, to be afraid of grief, to not know how to handle grief, and to really believe that avoidance of the issue is the same thing as processing and healing it. And it isn't. It really isn't. Do you remember what happened when, after Sparky was put down because he was terribly ill, we came back home. Do you remember what we did? We started looking at all of the pictures that we had of him from when we first got him when he was a puppy and I was a little kid, all the way up to, you know, the last couple months, just kind of reviewing his whole life and the whole time that we'd spent together. You were seven years old, and for over 16 years, Sparky was your best, best friend. And you did a retrospective and posted it on Facebook of the years together. And we cried, oh, well into well past midnight, we cried and made that retrospective, made that album. And when you shared it, people just poured out their love to be able to see that experience over so many years and your willingness to be open about sharing your loss. That was a very powerful thing you did. It was really healing, I think, for both of us to do that and, and see that um, and to get the support from the other people who saw it and commented on it and reached out to us. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's that's what those pictures and what those memories end up being there for. They help us ourselves when we're just thinking about it. And when we share those memories with others, gives other people the opportunity to comfort us. Yes, so true. Now, I don't want to 
give you the impression that Matthew and I got over our grief just because we made the album. It was a starting point of being fully present to where we were when bouts of tears happened, to not try to force them or minimize them, but to go with them and to acknowledge them and to have that shared experience. It was such a comfort to both of us. It was really comforting to both of us. It it meant a lot. Coming back to the crises that we're facing, I think it's really important for all of us to learn that it's okay to postpone things. You know, there's stuff like weddings that have to be postponed, vacations that have to be pushed back, graduations that had to be canceled, and graduation celebrations that are all being put off. It's disappointing. And I think a lot of us are getting caught up in the idea of saying, well, I know it'll happen later, so it's okay that it's not happening now. But I think if we're being really honest, it still is disappointing that it's not going to happen now. I know I'm disappointed in a lot of things that I've missed out on in this time when we've all been sheltering in place and been quarantining. And even though a lot of it we'll be able to make up for if things come back and reopen, I'm still disappointed that they're not happening now. And I think walking that line is a very healthy attitude. I'm sorry that you're disappointed. And and I know you're talking about the last semester of this school year that was interrupted because of the coronavirus. Yeah, we're heading into the school year, the la- my last school year of my bachelor's degree. And it's we're unsure whether we're going to be having any rehearsals in person, having any music at all, basically, or if it's all going to be online. And that would be a big disappointment, and it's something that I'm concerned about. But even just the daily things, the daily interactions, I'm disappointed that we're not able to to have, you know, the, the regular everyday parts of life that are all being shut out because of quarantine. Yes, it is sad. It's sadder than any of us realize, and it's worthy of consideration. It's worthy of processing. It's worthy of recognizing that that is there. Now, I can also turn around and say, but Matthew, look at the amazing work you did on your music this summer. You've gone to great heights. You've done practicing. You've done experimental work. You've really, really honed your skills in so many areas. I can say that, and I have said that, but it doesn't take away what you just said, Matthew. It doesn't take away the fact that you miss the daily interactions. Both of those things are true. Both of those things need to be accepted. I am in no way suggesting that we complain all the time, because complaining leads to blaming. This is not about blaming anyone for anything. It's about recognizing that there's a feeling there that needs to be addressed of loss and at the same time of appreciation of the new and the different. We can't really move successfully into a new paradigm, a change of any kind, unless we make peace with the old. And this is what dealing with grief is about. And we have the opportunity to get in touch with our feelings 
while they're happening. And this is my great recommendation. Let us acknowledge, as Matthew just did, that yes, there's a disappointment, there's a discomfort, there is a loss because something should have happened that didn't. Without shame or blame, we make that assertion and sit with it until we feel that that assertion has been honored. And then we move on to find ways to make creative and positive changes. We look forward to thinking in new ways, to having new resources to give us um, an opportunity to be educated or to come together or to compensate for some of the things that we've had to give up. All of those things are part of a process of change. But without acknowledging the grief, we will always have one foot in the past as we try to go forward. And so once again, we respectfully challenge you to get off your affirmation, learn to embrace your grief, and begin to heal from within. I know you can, and I believe you will. Thanks so much for listening to the Get Off Your Affirmation podcast. Please get in touch with us on our website at getoffyouraffirmation.com. Join us on our Facebook page at the Get Off Your Affirmation podcast. Leave us a like, a review, subscribe to us so we can stay in touch with you and let you know when the latest episode comes out. Thanks again so much for listening. Have a wonderful week. You deserve it.